Good afternoon, everybody. It is Jay Scott. We're back with another episode of The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's doing well, staying safe. Everybody on the West Coast right now, hope you're doing well, uh, especially with the fires that are just raging across Northern California all the way up into Washington. Hopefully, by the time this airs, things have settled down a little bit. But uh, a lot of recovery over there. The whole country is concerned and you know just trying to get right back into it so but we're here for you like we always are talking rock music talking about new bands talking about interesting rock topics and today we have from the brazilian band ego kill talent we have theo vanderloo what's going on theo how are you i'm good what about you I'm awesome, man. Thanks for doing this. You know, I got, got turned on to you guys about a month ago and just been way into you guys. Gone down the rabbit hole of Ego Kill Talent a couple of times and just impressed with your music and just awesome stuff. Thank you, man. That's great to hear. Uh, thank you, man. We've been uh, working hard. We are uh, very happy with the new album and I mean, it's all, always great to hear that our our music is connecting to people, you know. So I'm really happy to hear that that you like it. For sure, for sure. So as we always do, every time we have a new first-time guest on The Hook Rocks, we always ask the same question, and that question is the essence of the show, which is just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, man. You mean, like, personally, what was the moment that, yes. for me personally, I got hooked into rock? Yeah. Uh, I must say it was with Guns N' Roses backing up Die for Destruction. Um, I remember that uh, I used to, to hear on the vinyl every morning before I would go to school, like, like, my school bus would stop by my house around like 7 a.m. So I would wake up around like 5.30, 6, just, just so I would have like 30 minutes to listen to Uptight for Destruction before going to school, you know. So uh, that album really got me, like, blown my mind away. I remember that uh, when, when, I, when I heard it for the first time, I just felt that it's funny music have this thing or, or making you feel connected you know and like like you belonging and that's how i felt with that album and and i i immediately was like okay i want to make music i want to make rock music i want to be in a band and yeah for me that was for sure that was the moment what was it about that album that connected with you you know what was it about the music that made you want to get up early just so you could listen to it before you went to school man honestly i think i back then i didn't really pay much attention to lyrics nowadays i'm like i love lyrics i'm always trying to understand what the band is expressing you know and in our band it's something that i'm very involved with with which is the the lyric writing process so but but back then I wasn't too much into the lyrics. I think it was more about about the melodies and the harmonies and just how how I would feel when I would listen to like Paradise City, you know, just like that feeling, you know, of um, I don't know. I think Guns N' Roses have this vibe of of being a kind of a gang, but but not in not in a, in a bad way. M- more in in the sense like like 
a movement, you know, or, or like, or like a family, if you will, like a brotherhood, of, of, like a brotherhood. Exactly. So I just, I just felt that in the song, you know, so it, you know, back then it was so cool because, uh, you would listen to, to the music and also look at the, at, at the artwork, right? Nowadays with the, the, the SPs, you almost, I mean, you can, you can love a song and don't even know the album cover of that song, right? But back then, you would do, like, the experience would be listen to the music and look into the picture and, and you know, and, and look the artwork. So I remember doing that, actually. So I would be, like, listen, listen to Paradise City or, or Rocket Queen or Switch Out of Mine and, and look and stare at the picture of those guys all together and, like, ready to rock, you know. So I guess all that vibe with the song, it was that, you know, it really, it really got me. Where did it go from there? You know, your introduction was Guns yeah. N' Roses and, you know, you play guitar, both bass and electric and, or bass and lead guitar, I should say. Yeah. And yeah. where where did it go from listening to Guns N' Roses to wanting to play an instrument? Yeah, okay, so... When I was listening to Guns N' Roses, I was like, uh, like I said, I wanted to be in a band already. I just, I just think it's funny, you know, because as you think about it, you kind of understand yourself more. So I, I've been talking about this in interviews, like, okay, so when was the moment when we decided to, to have a band? And I think that what I realized is that the same way that band connected to me, I wanted to connect to other people. I think that was about it. So, okay, so you fast forward a few years. Uh, I was, like I said, hooked on Guns N' Roses. So they released uh, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, and I was like very much into these albums. And, and one day, I got by mistake, I got the Metallica Black album in, uh, you know, Secret Santa, that, that, that thing you do in school where, where we exchange gifts. Yes. So I, I asked for an Iron Maiden album, which I didn't know. I, did, I was an Iron Maiden fan. But I just like knew the covers, and I know the artwork was amazing. So I was like, okay, it's try. It's time for me to find a new band, not you know, you know, to discover a new band and not be like only Guns N' Roses. So I asked for an Iron Maiden album, uh, and I was like, anyone, because I just love the covers. But th- this girl from my school accidentally she gave me the Black album, which, which when you think about it, I mean, I was looking for an Eddie cover, you know, and then I got a full Black album. So I was a little disappointed. Because I was really looking for the artwork, but then I listened to Metallica, the Black Album, and I was blown away by it. I was like, "Holy shit! This is taking everything to another level of heaviness, right?" Because Metallica is it's heavier than Guns N' Roses. So I, I guess that was really when I got into like starting, deciding to starting a band. I remember I wanted to have a guitar like James Hetfield's Explorers. And and I think one of the first guitarists I ever learned was Enter Sandman. And I was, I mean, I never was much into playing cover songs. I always wanted to like write new stuff, you know, like I said, because I think I wanted to connect to people. And it was around then. So for me, it was all about those like early, like end of the 80s, early 90s, the scene, those rock bands. And that was when I decided, okay, I want to be in a rock band. And I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. Who influenced you on guitar? It all oh, definitely James Hetfield, very, very much. Uh, I would say James Hetfield and Slash, those two for me were, I mean, I always was 
like blown away by Steve Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, like I said, I was a big Guns N' Roses and Metallica fan. So definitely Flash and, and James, those two were like really someone I would like up, look up to and try to look like, you know, when I play in a way I, I, I used to put my guitar. And so, and, and even the guitar models that I would pick. What made you want to play on stage and be in a band? Yeah, it was like like I said, man. It was definitely that that feeling of trying to say something that would somehow connect to to, to other people, you know. Because music have this thing, which is when you stop to think about, it, it's crazy. Like, I mean, we are a band from Brazil. Uh, I, I, my family is from Holland, and so I've been always like in between Europe and Brazil. And I went a lot to the U.S. when I was young because my dad lived there for a while. And music is something that just connects everyone. So I think I, I think this is fascinating. You know, when you talk to someone in, in Amsterdam and someone, I don't know, in L.A. or New York and someone in Rio, that same song of a band can make all of them feel the same and relate to it. And I think that was the main reason, you know, like, like, I think music breaks the, the barrier that that separate us and just remind, reminds us that we are we are all the same like deep inside, you know. What about the history of ego kill talent? What you know, how did you guys form? Where did you guys come from? Okay, so we are all from different cities in Brazil. Uh Jean, who is one of the drummers, because we have two drummers in the band. He used to play on Sepultura, and we, I remember, I, I used to have another band with Rafael, who is the other drummer in the band, in Eagle Q Talent. So when we had this other band, we toured with Sepultura, we supported Sepultura in Europe, you know, we did some shows together, and that was how we met Jean. Uh, so you fast forward a few years, Jean ended up leaving Sepultura, and we had this thing in common that we both were living in Sao Paulo but none of us was from Sao Paulo. So we had this kind of uh, thing in common, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm here, but I'm not from here. So he left the tour and he called me and he was like, do you want to grab a coffee? And I said, yeah, sure. So we went for a coffee and he was like, I just left the band. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. If I'm going to go back to my hometown of course, I'm staying here. What are you up to? And I was like, yeah, man, back in, in that moment, I wasn't even like playing guitar. I think I had, I was like, for five years, like without even like touching my guitar. I was, um, actually I was, uh, working as a festival, music festival promoter. So I was like into the other side of the business. And, and he was like, do you want, do you want to jam? And I said, yeah, man, I haven't, I haven't played guitar for years. And he was like, are you, are you crazy? You know, let's just jam. So we started jamming and, you know, writing, drafting some songs. And we were like, you know, we're doing some cool stuff here. So at some point, I remember that uh, John Domayan from System of Down, who is a very good friend, the drummer, he he called me and he was like, "Okay, I'm heading to Brazil for for holidays." You know, he was he was here like for a one week vacation or something, and he was like, "Do you wanna do you wanna meet up?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." So we met up to the studio, and he didn't know I had a band, and was like, "Yeah, I got I got a news for you. I think I have a band." And then I showed, I mean, I said, we're going to play for you and see if you like it. So we played like three songs. We didn't even have a singer back then. And he was like, okay, I think, I 
think you guys have uh, something solid. I think I think you have some some you know you guys found something, some like artistic expression that you should perceive, you know, and 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 develop. And that for us was a big push, right? Because I mean, the guy is this huge band, and he thinks we have something. So we decided to 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 move forward, and we found a singer, and decided, you know, to to pick a name, you know, and we were all friends way before we had this band together. We already knew each other for like at least 15 years. And one thing that, that was like a common ground for all of us was really talking about, you know, the challenges in life and how you can be your own, uh, like worst deceiver. Uh, and that's the ego, right? That's like that part of you that, it's always scary, and because of that, has made some like poor decisions and poor choices. And we we've been as friends and not not even as musicians. We were like always, you know, talking, discussing about our weaker points. And we decided we should look for a name that would translate what we believe in and and a message like a statement of something that we would love to talk about. You know, because we know we knew that. If we put a band together, you know, when when we start giving interviews, people will ask stuff like, "Why the name of the band?" And we wanted to talk about this because that's something that we all were uh, always dealing with and have like much uh, pleasure uh, from talking about, you know. So that that was how we decided to pick the name. Uh, we, I remember we were like we were like looking for a name that was also a statement, and there, there is this saying, "Too much ego." might kill your talent and we looked at that and those three words equal cute talent just jumped and we we're like yeah i think that's the name and that that was how we, we we picked the name and since then we've been playing and it's been like an awesome ride that's one thing that is really unique about the name of the band because it's a message um as well as something that you know people can identify with as well as what you guys a statement you guys want to make so it's very unique in that not a lot of bands name themselves you know and have a message within their name which is really cool and it's and it's like i said it's very unique it's not very done it's not done very often were you were you guys nervous that people may may not get it or maybe not you know connect with it right away or was it a plan from the very beginning to Talk about this message whenever you know the band is interviewed or, the, or, the, or you know convey a message to whenever the band is communicating to their fan base. Yeah, well, when we when we looked at, at those like like I said, we looked at that saying "too much ego might steal your talent," and we just loved it. And when we saw those three words, we were like, okay, those three words are like when they put them together, they they, they are strong. And we didn't put like kills on purpose because we just feel like it's more visceral, like, like Eagle kill tell, you know, it's more like, we just felt like it was more artistic for some reason. So in the beginning we were like, okay, uh, we really, we really relate to this name. We really relate to what it's standing for, for us, but how are people going to connect to it? How are people going to react to it? Right. And so we were, I don't think we were concerned, but we were like, okay, there's something we might have to address once in a while because like actually tell the truth I think I think our, our, our biggest concern was would people 
think that we are assuming that we don't have an ego, and that was really not the point. It was actually really the other way around. It was much more like uh, we know we have an ego, and you know how dangerous can it be for you when you got like when you confuse yourself with it. So we we were a little concerned that people might like not take the right away, but that never happened. That's funny. It never happened. I mean, we never did an interview where someone came to us and said, "Are you saying you don't have an ego?" That never happened. So I think it's because where it came from you know so for some reason people maybe connect to it and i mean yeah like i said we just we just think that this is something very valuable for us to look at and to think about and to talk about and can really uh save you from a lot of suffering when you understand that that it's um it's about yourself you know it's about how you can deal with it and like i have tattooed the name of the band on my arm and it's interesting i got reactions from from people on like on the line to buy coffee, people would look at it and go like, "Hey, like like in foreign countries, like I think that that happened in Mexico. I was there. Like that was really the early days of the band. I don't think we have, yeah, we we didn't have any the first, even the first album release. And and someone stopped me on the line and said, "I really like I really like this phrase. Can I tattoo it too?" I said, "Yeah, sure, do it." So yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun to have a message. You know, it's nice to have a band where the name is something that you can already, you know, uh, think about it, that, that makes people think about it. The new album is, the yep. name of the album is The Dance Between Extremes. Mm-hmm. When is that, when you guys experienced COVID, did you guys have any delays with the release of that album? Yeah, actually, this pandemic situation changed everything. Uh our original plans were to, uh, we were supposed to tour with Metallica in, in, in South America on March. And then we would go to uh, to the U.S. to play the Demi Weimer festivals, also with Metallica. And then we would go to Europe, where we would tour with System of a Down. Then we, would, we had some shows with the Foo Fighters. We had some festivals aligned. I mean, it was supposed to be a great touring year for us. And we were, we were planning to release the album like right in the beginning of this whole worldwide awesome tour. But then the pandemic came and when it started, we were like, okay, we don't really know what's going to happen. Because if you remember, like right in the beginning, people were like, okay, is this for real? Is, is this just a flu? Is this, you know, going away? Like in a month or two, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we decided to just put everything on hold and including the album release and like a month or two after that we were like okay this is the same for a while uh how are we gonna handle it you know so we decided of we decided to instead of uh releasing the full album at once we decided to splice it in three eps and and release it like uh we we i think released the first one a month ago and we are releasing the second one in november and the third one around march so yeah it really changed the plans was there a different recording process with this i mean how do you guys collaborate when you guys are are writing a new album uh well the way we write music man it's so it's it's really collaborative it's really like um it's it's really all about the song. It's we don't really care who brought the riff idea, the guitar riff, or the lyrics or the melody. It's not about that. It's about uh, writing something that when we play, we feel good, 
so it's very common. Like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we, all of us, we sign all the songs. So it's not like I wrote this song, Jean wrote that song. It's not like that. We just feel like the, the healthiest way for us as a band to work together, it's, it's not caring about who suggested what for the song, but just like how can we all collaborate and help getting the song to the best it can be, you know? So it, yeah, it's, it's funny because I mean, there were situations where uh, I remember like uh, that one of the songs in the album that I was listening to it, like the, 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 like the final mix of it. And there was this one phrase in the lyrics that I really liked it. And then I called Jonathan, the singer and I said, man, I love this phrase. It's really, really powerful. And he was like, and I said, congratulations for it. And he was like, what are you talking about? You wrote that. And I started laughing because I didn't even remember. And that happens like with the guitar riffs. So it might be a situation where one of us would bring a guitar riff idea. And then the other, other someone else in the band would just grab the guitar and play the light, slightly different. And we were like, oh, okay, that took to another level. So how, how would you say, who wrote that? You know, it's really, we really look at as, how can we help each other on developing our own uh, ideas and inspiration? You know. Well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, a lot of bands don't do that, and it's it's kind of like it goes back to that ego kill talent kind of message, right? Everybody has an ego, but you also yeah. have to do what's best for the group or best for the brotherhood that you have with your bandmates, and if giving everyone equal credit on the songs helps that. I mean, that's, that's, that's totally. a lot about you guys as a, as individuals and also as a, as a collective unit, as a band. Absolutely, man. And we, we all have been in bands before and we've been there, you know, we've been in that situation where you, I mean, let's say I, I would like in a past band that I, I would write a song and then, you can tell that someone else in the band is trying to suggest you something just so we can be on the credit. And that shouldn't be the reason, you know, the reason really should be about, about the music. And the way we look at it is if we decided to be a band, it's like we are a collective. We are one artist. It's, it's one band, but it's that band, the way we, the way, that's the way we see it. It's like that band, if that band is signing, the, the, the song or the album, that band is the artist and we are all together a little piece of that artist. So that's the way we look at it. And once you do that, once you go, that was one, what, one of the first things we did. I remember, man, we had like only like two or three drafts. You know, it, it wasn't even songs. It was just like traps. And we were like, okay, before we take this to another level, let's agree that we're going to share credits no matter what. Because we knew that if once we decided to do that, anything else, I mean, if you are, if, if anyone in the band would be for some reason pissed because someone messed with their guitar riff suggestion, that could only be ego. Because I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to mess with your riff if I have credit for it anyway. So if I'm suggesting something, it's because I really think it can, it can be better than it is right now. And yeah, that's, that's, we, it was kind of, uh, like a, a safe, uh, it was like a safe trigger that we had to remember, like remind ourselves what is the dynamic we're looking for with this band, you know? 
You mentioned that you were going to be touring with Metallica, doing shows with them in Brazil, and you also yep. mentioned System of the Down. You know, one of the first things you said to me in this interview was the Metallica Black album had such an impact on, yeah. on you. What's it like when you are sharing the stage and you're and you're playing with them as part of a tour? Man, that for for me that was a no brainer. Uh, I mean, we we already played with huge bands like the Foo Fighters, and that was an amazing experience. We feel so blessed by it. But like I said, Metallica was just a huge part of my growing up and, and like deciding to play music, you know. And actually, me and Raphael, which is uh, one of the drummers in the band, we met at the Metallica concert through a friend in common. So Metallica is a big part of our history. When we heard that like there was even a chance for us to play with Metallica, we were like, holy shit, that was going to be fucking awesome. You know, it's like coming full circle. And when we heard it would be like the full tour, uh, four or five stadiums, it was a no-brainer. And I just really hope that that... In theory, everything's just being postponed, so we were supposed to, to still tour with them once the pandemic is gone. I just really hope that happens because it's, it, it will be really special for us. What is the state of the pandemic in Brazil? I know there's been a lot of controversy here in America as to how it's been handled and why mm-hmm. it continues to affect people all across this country. And I also know in doing the little bit of reading I have about the effects of it in Brazil, I know there's been controversy there as well. What is yeah. the state right now of, of the pandemic? Yeah, actually, from what I've been reading of what's going on with you guys in the U.S., it's very similar, the situation. Uh, there are, like, some people doesn't really take it seriously. Uh, some people take take very seriously, right? Like, I have friends who lost, a very good friend of mine, he lost his mom in, like, so quickly, like, 10 days. It was, like, very scary. And I, I have friends who, like, don't care and they are just like going out to bars so it makes like everything like being a huge question mark in terms of what's going to happen um i don't know i feel like there won't be a, a a normal life again until there is a vaccine especially for touring uh i mean we did play a show last saturday it was a drive-in show on a stadium here uh, it was a, a, a event from Bob Burnquist, the, the skateboarder. So it was like a skate and music event. It was awesome. I mean, it was packed, but it's so weird to play for cars, man. It was such a weird situation. Like inside a stadium, huge uh, stage, 200 cars, and in between songs, silence, you know, or some honks. So yeah, it's a weird it's a weird momentum. It's, and it's, it feels like it, it will only go back to normal when there is a working vaccine. So, yeah. And it's, it's, and it's also tricky because I have friends who used to be very scared and like really be on quarantine and now they don't care. And I have friends who used to be like, okay, this is not real. And then they lost someone and they're like, okay, this is very real. So, I mean, to, I think it's, uh, it's a mess the truth obviously it affected you guys um you know in terms of how you were going to put out the album you had to break it up into three different parts 
in three different EPs. And I know a lot of bands out here are kind of doing the same thing. I just had a band on a few weeks ago called South of Eden, who was already you know set to release their debut album, and they had to release kind of like a teaser EP of like four songs so they could keep in 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 the in, in their fans you know minds and, and and people not forget about them and release the material that they were working on. So that has to be considered with everybody. You know, it, it sounds like you guys had a, a lot of momentum going into this year. And like a lot of bands and artists, that momentum went away because of this pandemic. What is your plan for once things get back to somewhat normal um, when you're allowed to tour again? Is there, you know, a way you guys are going to go about it or is it just going to be what we were doing before? We're just going to continue on. Yeah. I mean, mainly everything that got canceled for 2020 are uh, being rate scheduled for 2021, the festivals and the tours, but we don't really know what's going to happen. Like, uh, for now, we have a bunch of European festivals uh, for the summer confirmed for 2021, but who really knows, right? I mean, if, if the pandemic is still, if, if there's still transmission going on in Europe, they might just cancel everything again. Uh, I guess that for us, we just feel like as soon as touring is possible we want to tour as much as possible because we really are a live band for us it's really all about playing live and it's a big part of our artistic expression if you will um just because there is a a extra connection that you have with the crowd that you can't really have for an album so we just really want to tour man we just feel like we can't wait to perform this album live uh, although we haven't even already fully released, we are already working on new songs and writing some new stuff because we we feel like we must be ready to have as much songs as possible once we can tour again. Yeah, I mean, that's so important, right? Because you're basically losing a year of touring, yeah. losing a year of you know, getting behind the album that you guys wanted to release. I know there was a lot of excitement for the new album from you guys. And to kind of put that on pause, well, what do you do? Well, I know there's a lot of bands out there that are writing music because like you said, you know, money is made on touring right now. So, and, and, and you can only tour really if you have new music to be putting out in front of the people. So if you're recording music or if you're writing music and still being creative during this whole downtime, or lockdown, whatever you want to call it, it benefits you guys or benefits the bands because you guys can just keep releasing music as it goes and keep touring on that and hopefully recuperate whatever you lost during this pandemic in the future. Yes, that's it, absolutely. And like I said, especially when you can't tour. So in our case, um, we we. We are releasing this album through a major label, which is BMG, and like the, the release plan was a worldwide release plan. Was was a I mean it is, still is a huge marketing plan, like worldwide. And the fact that you can tour to support that release makes everything more difficult, right? Like like pick or, like you and me, for instance, we are talking here. The right quote-unquote thing to be happening would be for me when I finish this interview to say, okay, so here's live in our U.S. tour in a month or two. 
you know, right? And even meet you in person. So imagine with the radio stations and everything, touring is a big part, especially for a new band. And once we can't do that, it's it really messes everything, you know? And that's why we feel like also, okay, so we don't know when this is going to end. And if this album is already fully released, we should be working on a new album and have, like you said, have new material to be released when touring is possible again. What excites you about the new music that you are releasing right now? Uh, everything. <laughs> we just, uh, like I said, when, when we write music, we just really, really put the best we can on it. You know, we, we it's a process of going through your feelings, you know, and, and also sometimes even like in between the band, we gotta, you gotta like sometimes really try to explain what you want to express with it. And then someone else in the band can help you to do that even better. So it's just like the, the, the building of the album and the building of the songs. It just has so much of us in it, right? That we feel like, okay, we, uh, we want to share this with the world because we feel this really represents us. So it, just where it came from, it, because it comes from a true place within us. So, and the way we recorded at the 606 studio, the Foo Fighters studio, we were like there for two months uh, in LA, the whole band sharing a house and, and being together and, you know, final adjustments on the writing and all that just really, it's really in the album. It's really there. It's us, you know, and yeah, we feel, we feel the, the whole album. I mean, I love all of us. We love every single song in this album, every single one, like anyone in our, in our point of view, any, any of the songs could be the single of the album because we love all of it. And it feels great to release something like that, you know? Rock and roll in America has taken a backseat, unfortunately, over the past decade plus. The struggle for relevancy is apparent every time you watch a show like the Grammys or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where sometimes they don't even show the awards. Sometimes they're telling you that artists from other genres are now rock and roll. Yeah. Advertisers really want nothing to do with rock and roll. The classic rock fans won't listen to new rock music. They're kind of set in their ways. It's a struggle. I do believe, though, that the best or, or better times are ahead with the new rock bands that are coming out, whether it's you know the Greta Van Fleets, the Struts, Eagle Kill Talent, Massive Wagons from the UK, so many other bands that I'd love to name. When you are performing in Brazil and you have, you know, a following, a fan base, what is rock music like or what is the the popularity of rock music, the rock scene in Brazil? Uh, I, think, I think the situation you described is very much similar everywhere in the world. Uh, but there is one thing that is very different. I think it really differs rock and roll from any other kind of music in every genre. It's, it's the fact that the, the rock and roll fans, rock music fans, I think they connect to the artists in a deeper uh, sense, if you will. And that makes a world of difference. Like, you can, you can, and I have absolutely nothing against country music or pop music 
I think it's all expressions of art. And if it's true to whoever is writing them, the songs, that's great. And keep doing it, right? Because it's, it's expression of their self. But with rock music, it's just something that uh, you feel the connection with the fans. Are It feels like are in a deeper level. And I'm, I'm talking this coming from like, I have friends who are... Uh, artists of other kinds of music right like i have i have a friend who's a, a, a big country music artist and i have i know people they are like more into into hip-hop but the thing is there's just something in the way that the fan look at at you when you're a rock uh, music guy or a rock artist it it, it just feel like like they look you in the eye and they say that song it really helped me through this moment of my life. And I will never forget that. And I think this kind of connection goes a long way. And on the other hand, when you're talking like more party music, it's it's more, I, I don't want to say the word shallow, but it's more, you know, it doesn't last that much. They are looking for the next party music soon enough. Where's the next party song? I want that. And with rock, it's just like you keep revisiting that feeling and that connection, and I don't know, I just think this goes a long way, you know, that's how I see it, so I don't think rock will never die, I think it might, it might have momentums where it is like, and more, more of a, like on the top of the charts, and moments going to be like lower in the charts, but I think it's all, it will always be there, and it's also what it, it stands for, right, rock is an expression of questioning, uh, it's a big if, if, when you stop to think about it I mean when you think questioning life this is philosophy so in, in a sense you can say that rock is more of philosophical kind of music than let's say party music it's more like maybe if, when you are alone and you're, you are getting more mature you connect to it even more and so that's, that's my vision of it I do. It, 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 there is no doubt we have other other kinds of uh, music that are much more popular right now, but I think rock will always be there. I do too. You know, when you think about how people consume music, I think people who like to listen to pop and other forms of other genres of music, those are music. You're music consumers, right? So mm-hmm. music fans are, are the rock and rollers. You know, they're the ones that once yeah. you're a fan of rock music, you're always a fan of rock music. It never leaves you. There's a connection to it that is different than any other genre out there. Um, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and it, but it just, you know, I don't think it'll ever die. It just sometimes it takes a backseat to a lot of other genres. And I do think that, you know, there's also you know, in terms of relevancy, the fact that advertisers are, are, are now gearing, you know, their, their, their commercials or, you know, their TV shows with more of a hip hop, pop style music. Like you talk about the Super Bowl where it didn't even have any rock and roll in it. But as I said, when we first started this topic, I do believe that there's so many new great bands out there that 2020 I thought was going to be a big year for rock and roll. I think 2021 is going to be a big year for rock and roll because rock and roll has always relied on the angst and, you know, the middle finger of, you know, the youth and how it connects. 
And I think with this pandemic, with people being locked up and cooped up inside, I think that that's there, you know, and rock and roll yeah. has always been a healing power for that or been able to connect with people going through that. So I think rock and roll is going to explode, explode once this is over. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, and you know what, on top of everything, it's funny because, uh, you get a lot of like hip hop artists or pop artists that love rock and roll. It's kind of a common ground for many different musicians as well. That's really interesting when you start to think about, like uh, even even like Billie Eilish, for instance. She she, she and her brother, who, who does a lot of the production and the writing, they are huge rock fans. They say that the band of their lives is Green Day. So it's interesting that too, you know, how rock also connects very, I mean, many different kind of artists. They have a common ground in rock. So that's also interesting. When you talk about rock music in Brazil, you know, there there's your okay. stadiums, there's your clubs, there's your theaters. Are those places being affected by the pandemic in terms of closing down because they, you know, they're not making any money? What's it like there in terms of being able to play and where you can perform? Yeah, it's a big question mark of what's going to happen when all this is gone. Uh, like a lot of the stadiums are now doing drive-in shows which uh, I think it's helping them to survive, but at the same time, not really, because you can only put, like I said, 200 cars in the stadium, and they're used to sell 70,000 tickets, 60,000 tickets. So it's really, you know, it's it's a tricky situation. Uh, there is a, a lot of uh, new laws in Brazil to help many different companies, like not only not only venues, but also like promoters, I don't know if it's the same in the U.S., but there is a law here that if you are a promoter and and you, you have a show confirmed and announced and, and selling tickets before the pandemic, you don't have to give the money back. You can just reschedule, and you got to do it in within 12 months after the pandemic is gone. So there are some measures that are being taken to help those uh, kind of businesses. But again, who knows, you know, because it's, are we talking six, six months more? Are we talking three? Are we talking one year? I don't know how long they can survive because like I said, the stadium driving situation and auto driving situation, they don't really make the business, you know, it's more as a, you know, trying to do something, but it doesn't save. And it's a, it's a big question mark what's going to happen. What is the, you know, you talk about the releases that you um, are have broken up into three different EPs, and you talk about the postponements of the tour, like with Metallica, you know, System of the Down. You still don't know if those are going to happen or not. You've got your fingers crossed. You're creating new music. Outside of the touring and all the postponements, you know, what is the future of Eagle Kill Talent? Uh, for sure live live shows touring this is really as soon as we can that's what we're going to do there is no doubt about that uh and like i said new music we we will be releasing new music at least from now until early next year and once all that is released we're going to keep recording and releasing until there is touring again 
The band is Ego Kill Talent. My guest today is Theto Vanderloo. You can find them on egokilltalent.com. You can find them on Facebook at Ego Kill Talent. Their YouTube page under the same name. Twitter at Ego Kill Talent. The new song is The Call, and it's out available on YouTube. You can check it out. You can check out part one of The Dance Between Extremes, which is what we were talking about today with breaking it up into three parts. Theo, thank you very much for doing the show. Thank you very much for doing the episode. Big, huge fan of you guys. Thank you very much. Can't wait till you come to America and able to check you guys out live. Yeah, man, we can't wait to be there. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.